I think my theory is it. I think I have it. <laughs> I have said a lot of really stupid theories about this show. I think I got one. <laughs> Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're going to talk about Season 3, Episode 21, Dead End. Mary, what happened this week? Toby Anderson got mugged at a park, and Cindy can't believe it. She and Brenda decide to learn self-defense. Brenda tries to get Donna to go with her, but Donna has plans to hang out with David. Then they ask Andrea, but Andrea can't because she has a date with Jordan. Donna ends up going to self-defense class anyway. Grace Feldman, the instructor, gives some scary statistics about violence against women and asks the class why they came today. Cindy wants to feel safe walking around and stuff. Turns out Brenda still has a lot of pent-up anger about that time she got held up, which she can use to her advantage, apparently. Brandon still only cares about sports. Jim said he should care about more than just sports. Brandon loses $200 but isn't worried because he's placed bets on like three more games. Andrea and Jordan go to the peach pit before they go to the movies and Brandon says he doesn't really see them together. Steve says some racist shit. Brandon admits he's possessive over Andrea. Our boy is becoming self-aware. He also <laughs> admits to Steve that he kissed her that time he was jealous of Jay. Brandon loses all of his other games, and Duke comes by the peach pit to tell him he'll cut him slack, but just this once. Jackie has to sell her big giant mansion, which is the only steady thing in Kelly's turbulent life. She tells her mom she's sad about almost not having her house anymore, but also because Brenda won't say anything to her other than hi. Jackie tells her to give Brenda some time and let her come to terms with the whole she's dating your ex-boyfriend thing. <laughs> um, Kelly still isn't eating enough and is spending time with Dylan on a yacht that I guess he just lives on now Jackie has an open house and listens to a bunch of people bash her taste in interior decorating she gets one offer on the house but it's too low so she declines Serge Menken calls David to set up some time to lay down some rhythm tracks David tells Steve who doesn't want to hear it because why would he David you fired him you asshole David later apologizes to Steve for being shitty. This episode is also about boats and smooth jazz because Jack McKay has been given a yacht by some presumably sketchy people. Jack talks to a shady man and someone is wearing a wire because some people are listening to and recording the conversation in a sketchy white van outside. Jack tells Dylan to call Jim about his trust fund. Dylan does, but Jim won't call him back so Dylan shows up at Jim's office. Jim says he doesn't believe releasing the money is in Dylan's best interest. Dylan tells Jack he didn't get the money, and Jack says they'll have to try something else. The sketchy van people are still listening, and I can't figure out if the boat is just bugged or if Jack is wearing a wire. Jim talks to Cindy, who says she needs to let Dylan go. He calls Jack and Dylan in to his office to let him know they can have the money now. Jack proposes to Christine. Uh, oh my god, so much happened, man. <laughs> When he talks to Dylan about it later, just to make sure Dylan is okay with it, he also tries to tell Dylan something, but the van people interrupt. Later, he sings Take Me Out to the Ball Game to Dylan in a very weird moment with just the tiniest sliver of charm. A man with a mustache puts a bomb under Dylan's dad's car. 
Dylan's boat neighbor tells him he has to move the car because they can't park in that lot on Mondays for some reason. Kelly calls Dylan, but he's outside trying to go move the car. Jack runs outside to give Dylan the phone and takes the keys to move the car himself, but then the car explodes into a huge fireball as Dylan looks on and screams. So much happened. Oh my god. Lots happened. But sometimes, like, nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, that, like, I realized when I was watching this episode, I took, like, a page and a half of notes, which I feel like is a little, like, it's more than I've been doing lately, but it's less than some of the other episodes where I'm just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But I would keep looking and realizing that I hadn't written anything down for, like, five minutes. I had to be like, Kelly talks to Dylan. Dylan talks to his dad. His dad talks to Jim. Jim talks to Cindy. Cindy talks to Brenda. Brenda doesn't talk to Kelly. (laughs) And then I would be like, all right, back to where I was. Right. Like, that easily happened at least twice. Well, and what's crazy is, like, because this episode felt so jam-packed, it made me wonder, why was there, like, such a long intro of just smooth jazz kicking us off at the marina lots of boats like I think we almost went through all of the opening credits which we never do yeah I actually clocked it because I noticed that too it's was about a 45 minute episode it's almost three minutes before Jack pulls up in his car jeez yeah it's like 240 or something um because yeah I noticed the same thing And I think it's truly because they had to fill 30 episodes. So they were just like, oh, well, if we're moving to the marina, let's just get some establishing shots. Let's have establishing shots for every single scene. It almost makes me wonder if they got B-roll for like all different places in L.A. or like wherever they filmed just so they could throw it in when they needed to fill time, which makes total sense. But I'm like... If they had, you know, a good solid almost three minutes of just marina and boat life, what else do they have? (laughs) So much. Like, I swear, they have establishing shots of everything. Yeah. I mean, good for them. We had an establishing shot of Jim's office. That's true. We did. They needed so much help filling time. It's just so interesting because, again, it begs the question, like, why 30 episodes? Like, I guess I don't recall other shows at this, maybe, like, around this time that ever had more than maybe 24, 25. No, and that's, I think I heard somewhere, so, you know, who the hell knows where I heard it, that part of the reason they did it was because nobody else was doing it. And they wanted to, like, really get momentum going for the show. So they were just like, if nobody else is going to be playing new episodes during the summer, why don't we play new episodes during the summer? And I also wonder, like, if it also had to do with Because it's already season three. It's not like this is the first season. So I wonder if it had been gaining steam. And so they're like, let's take advantage of this um, from a network perspective. Because if this show is bringing in money, of course they're going to order more episodes. I just didn't realize that order more episodes went past, like, 25. <laughs> no, it is it is truly wild to me to be like, oh, we're on episode 21, just another month and a half before we get to the finale. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> like, it's insane. It really is. But after that long-ass montage, we get Jack, Christine, and Dylan – 
Um, also, they were like kind of bundled, and I know it's it gets chillier when you're around the water, but I'm like, what time of year is this? Like, is it January, February? Because um, I guess yeah. Christmas wasn't too, too long ago, but I feel like it's been a little bit of time. Yeah, I didn't actually look, but I would probably guess February. Yeah, they were pretty bundled, though, and Christine was like, it is chilly, and this the clouds, it's going to storm. Um. Yeah, because they show up to this marina, and they're like, oh, you bought a boat? And then he makes them try and guess while they're clearly walking up to a giant yacht. That's the thing. It's like he was walking in front of them, and Dylan's like, what about that one? He's like, no, Dylan, keep up. (laughs) I already passed that one. God, you really do need to go back to school. Yeah. And then Christine's like, what about that one? It's like the little tiny, like, speedboat. (laughs) Or not even a speedboat. It was like... I don't even know what to call it, but it was like almost like one of those boat raft things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the boat that I would be able to afford. Right. It was like a blow up boat that looks exactly like a regular boat, but you blow it up with your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he like, I, yeah, I, I guess someone gave him the yacht because he doesn't have any money. That was what was confusing is like, like, I think I wrote down. Jack has a huge boat, and he definitely bought it with Dylan's money, right? Or wait, are they renting it? Unclear. Or did people buy it for him? <laughs> I mean, they must have bought it for him. <laughs> That's gonna be, they they bought it for him because Mary said they bought it for him, and yeah, I yeah. Just... Um, he said like some at one point in the beginning, and he said so much stuff that, like, I ran it back and had to like watch it again because I could not keep up with everything. But, um, yeah, he says something like he knows a lot of shady people and he got in trouble, so they didn't and they owed him a favor or something That's like right. that. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, which is the first clue of my new theory. Are you revealing it now? or I'm not. Re- we're going to build up to it. <laughs> okay, so first clue is that he's in with nefarious folks. Is that what he, the clue is? The first clue is that he went down so that a lot of other people didn't got it okay 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 Mm -hmm. but like all of this and the yacht that came with staff it's just ridiculous so ridiculous but I realized like just how much this has to be affecting Dylan psychologically because he has his dad back and he has this like mother figure that's not his mom who we know all about her and, like, they're just cute together on a boat. hmm Yeah, I mean, he's even, like, provided shelter for him. Like, he's creating this, like, home. And somehow Dylan's, like, not worried. He's not, he's not as worried as I thought he was going to be. I mean, I can understand being naive about the money because, you know, why, why should he worry, right? right? Like, why should he panic or whatever about Jack dealing with his money because it's his dad he was the he's the reason the money's even there so I get that but I'm still kind of like bro why are you not more curious how your dad just got out of prison got this boat said that other people owed him a favor and you've got this like sort of mom figure and now you're just gonna live here when two seconds ago you were living at the Bellagian or also like you have a house (laughs) I'm I am convinced that house is just still sitting there yeah, like I I don't I feel like 
Dylan wouldn't put the effort in to move out of the house. So it's just sitting there and he's just paying rent on it. I'm probably. And I mean, now that Jack has blown up, I assume spoiler for the end of the episode. (laughs) Yes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, now that Jack has blown up, I guess Dylan will go back. I really cannot imagine that Christine is going to stick around and be the mother figure for him that he wants. Yeah, I wouldn't suspect so. I mean, she's the only thing that ties them together is Jack. And now that Jack is not there, the only thing that's tying them together is grief about Jack. So that won't last forever. Um, Yeah. So before we even get there, though, um, they get onto the boat and uh, Jack introduces Dylan and Christine to the super creepy captain and the super creepy other guy who I couldn't remember what his job was, but he was just there. Deckhand? They're gone after this. Yeah, true. And um, and I wrote down, this captain's creepy, and there's a creepy van in the background. No doubt, the police or FBI. So I was on the track of, I was on the track of, these guys are like law enforcement, not necessarily like bad guys, but at the same time, you're not really given, you know, a certain inkling one way or the other because captain's creepy but van could has all the surveillance so it's like who do you believe yeah and then like the captain even says like you can kiss our little deal goodbye it's like what kind of deal is he going for yeah i mean is this guy like an undercover cop and he's just trying to really sell it and be like yeah bro like if you don't do this you know we're done but at the same time he could easily be a really bad guy maybe jack was wired or was wearing a wire yeah i so i decided at some point that i think it's just that that main cabin of the boat is bugged Mm -hmm. because every conversation that they have where the guys in the van are listening they're sitting in that room true it's a good point Mm -hmm. except for one where jack is talking to dylan and they're outside oh damn it Okay, so I'm wrong. Still, my theory still works. It did not break my theory. Just reminds me. There could be more than one microphone planted on that boat. Yeah. And then, yeah, because, like, right after that happens, Jack is talking to Dylan about going to get the money from Jim. Right? That's the the next thing I wrote down. I might have missed, like, ten minutes. Who knows? No, no, no. That's what I wrote down, too. Like, where Dylan was, like, having to be the go-between or the middleman or whatever to get – his money for Jack to assumingly do something bad with it. Mm -hmm. And like, I think legally that has to happen because the money is in Dylan's name, but it just like, it makes my skin crawl to think that this like, you know, 40, 50 year old man is talking to his teenage son being like, I need you to go get your $10 million for me. Mm -hmm. Like I need you to go tell this man he has to give you your money. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think of a scenario in which it would be okay. (laughs) I mean, I guess, like, if there's a bad family situation, like, like health-wise, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a situation where it would be totally fine for a parent to be this adamant and this, like, you got to go do this now, and I just can't really think of one. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't have a good reason for him wanting to do this. That's like they're intentionally leaving it very vague. For sure. Yeah, and this just reminds me of 
I don't know if you guys have seen Dawson's Creek, but there's like, there's this scene and I'm not even, cause just in case we, cause it's a nineties teen television show and, uh, somebody, who am I thinking of? There's a writer or somebody, I think it actually might be Charles who's attached to mm-hmm. some episodes of Dawson's Charles, Creek. Charles. Yeah. He, I think he does a season of Dawson's Creek. That sounds right. But, uh, there's just this plot line where somebody one of the main characters has to wear or has to agree to wear a wire to trap another character into confessing something and it is heartbreaking (sighs) anyway brandon is reading the sports pages and for some reason jim is like you know when i was eight i read the entire newspaper yeah, in like 1965, <laughs> my dad made me read the entire paper. I knew all of the cabinet members. Which kills me, like the whole, when I was your age, or it's like, you know, all of those little, like when parents or just people who are older than you, you in general start saying things like that start with, when I was your age, I'm like, yeah, because that's what life was like back then. Like, just because that was the way it was when you were young. Like, if things didn't change, that would be a problem. Well, and my favorite part of this whole argument was Jim being like, my son, the editor of the newspaper, only reads the sports pages when Brandon started as the sports editor. I think he went sports reporter to sports editor Mm -hmm. and then just got editor for no reason. I was going to say, like, yeah, he reads the sports pages. He's the sports writer. (laughs) He didn't do anything to earn editor. He was a man in the room, and mm-hmm. that's how he got to be editor. Yeah. Like, he would have been totally fit. He also tried to quit the paper several times. And he's, like, played other sports. Clearly, it's an interest for him. Like, let God, Jim, let him have an interest. <laughs> Jim, I, I guess Jim really wants Brandon to go into politics. Yeah, I mean, he's projecting so hard on Brandon, like, always, so... Yeah, these are the comments why Brandon feels the need to like he feels pressured to live up to Jim's expectations. Oh, for sure. Jim has not overtly said anything, but he'll be like, oh, you know, when I was your age, I'd read the entire newspaper before I went to school. And to be fair, he doesn't really make those comments to Brenda. Like, I mean, granted, I know it's different because like she's a girl and he gets onto her for way other, you know, things that he shouldn't. He's he's not a good dad to both of them in certain <laughs> ways. <laughs> but like I guess at least he doesn't have these unrealistic unrealistic expectations for Brenda to be in politics. <laughs> okay, I got it. I need to start like up in my predictions worksheet. Uh so the reason that he is so harsh on Brenda for things is because like you know remember the the DUI story like he was not yelling at Brandon for having a DUI he was yelling at Brenda for trashing the house and having the party because these kinds of things could hurt Brandon's political career <laughs> we can't have this show up in our and as a skeleton in our closet when your brother is running for state senator <laughs> he can get past the DUI Millions of politicians have done it. I've read the newspaper for the last 30 years. <laughs> what he cannot get past is his sister providing the alcohol. Ask not what your country can do, what your brother can do for you. Ask what you can do for your brother. <laughs> Damn it, Brenda. Are you not a patriot? <laughs> 
Yeah, that makes that's that's solid. Right? No, that one totally works. I have to I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Oh man. But then luckily, I guess, um Cindy and Brenda come in the house from their mother-daughter jog, which I I went for. I was like, <laughs> yes, they're going jogging together and I love it. Yeah. I mean, I I like that they're spending more time together. Um and then Basically, they talk about how this girl got mugged in the park, and obviously that's a very scary thing. And Cindy's like, wait a minute. And she goes and finds this um, flyer for self-defense classes. And honestly, I, I really love that journey for them um, and kind of wish we had seen it earlier. But to be fair, I don't think Brenda would have been in the right headspace for it, like immediately after her attack. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of them going to self-defense class. No, and I think this works out for her because I do think she needs to get some aggression out. Like, you know, they're they're not being super overt about it. I mean, she made the comment of like, yeah, I'm going to go to this class. I have nothing else to do this weekend anyway. But like when they're in the class and she just screams no, 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 no over and over again, I was like, this is probably really therapeutic for her. Oh, totally. And empowering, like Andrea suggests that it would be. Um <sighs> I cannot believe they didn't just go ahead and throw in a line of Andre being like, yeah, I've taken these classes. You yeah. haven't? <laughs> yeah. I'm really surprised she hasn't. Like, I'm sure she probably has. They just forgot to mention it. <laughs> like, that definitely seems like something that she'd be like, all right, I'm going to go to my self-defense class from this time to this time. Then I'm going to tutor for SATs for the next two hours. Then I'm going to go to the teen helpline. And then I'm going to come back to school to edit the paper until four o'clock in the morning. And then I'm just going to sleep in my office. <laughs> AKA the hallway. <laughs> like that, I feel like that would totally track. Andrea has definitely taken self defense. She probably took the self defense classes after Brenda got mugged. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised she's not like a junior leader or like, you know, like a, like a, not the teacher, but like the teacher's <gasps> assistant. <laughs> what if she was just like, oh, you guys are going to the Friday class? I teach the Wednesday class. Did I not tell you that I am a black belt? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yes, she is a black belt. I'm convinced. Right? Like, I feel like that would just make sense. It tracks. It totally tracks. Yeah. Or maybe, like, she doesn't teach the classes right now since she just broke both of her legs. Oh, right. Yeah. They had to, like, give, give her class to somebody else, and then she decided not to pick it back up because she's going to Yale. But she's going to pick it back up when she gets to Yale. Yeah, she's going to start the Yale chapter of the Beverly Hills self-defense class <laughs> god i hope she shows up and she's just like yale's beverly hills 90210 self-defense i want to go to that class right <laughs> i need to get into yale <laughs> what like it's hard oh good one you're welcome does cindy look really tan in this episode to you guys yes oh i don't know that i noticed i I think I just noticed it because everyone else was talking about how it was really cold and rainy and, like, the weather was horrible. And then Cindy's looking like she just came back from Mexico. <laughs> like Maybe she got, like, that skin routine from her facial at the spa and just, like, kept up with it. But it was really, like, a bronzer. <laughs> she, I mean, so far she has been to this health spa with Jackie and then the mind gym with Iris. And now she's jogging and taking self-defense classes. Like... Cindy's just on self-improvement right now. Homegirl is taking care of herself. Yeah, we did ask her to get a hobby. <laughs> her hobby is her. It's perfect. I love it. I saw a tweet today that was like, can we 
can this pandemic be over so I can stop working on myself? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I feel that. Oh, sigh. Yeah. But uh, then we jump because this episode just jumps. I feel like we should just go with the jumps because that's I can't put them all together. <laughs> I would be spending too much time scrolling back and forth just like desperately looking for names in my notes if yeah. we didn't just go chronologically. Cool. So meanwhile, at the Taylor residence, Jackie comes downstairs to um, Kelly and David having breakfast and she announces that they have to sell their giant mansion um, now that Mel and Jackie have to get a divorce. So my first thought was, why isn't Jackie getting half of the assets? I mean, granted, probably the house was half, like half of the assets, but also like Mel didn't have a house before. I think they just had an apartment or something. Yeah, I mean, he was getting divorced from the last wife, so I feel like he just didn't – it it wouldn't totally make sense to me that he would have immediately gone out to buy a house. So he, yeah, probably had an apartment and then let that go to move in with Jackie. But then, yeah, I guess after he cheats on her and she kicks him out, she's a nice person and is just like, oh, the third most prestigious orthodontist in Beverly Hills, I only need you to take care of your child. Yeah, and at first I panicked, and I was like, wait, physically? And then I was like, wait, no, 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 just with child support, got it. Because I panicked. I was like, he can't take care of a baby. He's too busy, like, dating Kelly's friends. Children. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing is, like, personally, I think she should have taken him to the cleaners because he's a scumbag. Yeah. Um, But you would also think that he should be – like, part of that child support should be, like, providing a stable household for the kid. And mm. also, she has David. Yeah. So, like, it it feels really scummy of me to be, like, she should be charging rent for David. But, like, she's taking care of both of Mel's kids and he is just out of the picture. So, like, maybe he should be paying her mortgage. Yeah. And, I mean, realistically... At least in terms of what I know from my parents' divorce, like, the other parent generally agrees to pay child support until 18. So it's not even, like, David's out of that window yet. So, yeah, you would think if she's providing his – she's, like, the main guardian. So she's providing shelter, primary food, like, all that good stuff that Mel should be chipping in for that. Especially because, technically, he's not even – like – I don't know how it works when you get divorced when you're, like, step-siblings. Like, if my dad and my stepmom had gotten divorced or something. But now David is essentially nothing to Jackie. So Jackie's, like, fully taking him in. So the fact that Mel is supposed to be his, like, guardian, but he's not. Yeah, he should absolutely be paying for him. Or at least contributing. That's the thing. Like, it, it, I don't know. I feel like they wrote it. For like, oh, Jackie's not being a, you know, quote unquote gold digger. I hate saying that, but that's the word that popped in my head. Um, but it does feel like Mel's being a scumbag by barely providing for his kids. It, like, he, she cannot keep a stable house for them. They have to move out of the house that they just got. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that David just got because, you know, Kelly's had it. Also, update, I saw Kelly – scraping at a piece of toast I did not see her take a bite of that piece of toast Hmm. I also didn't technically see her put butter on the toast so I'm pretty convinced she was just sitting there like pretending to butter a piece of toast 
And then they just like got bad news and she was like, oh, I've lost my appetite. Yeah, not looking good for Kelly Watch. It's not. It's also sad that, you know, I think Mary said it in her synopsis, but like she says something like, um, you know, between all the boyfriends and the husbands, the house has been the only thing that's been constant regardless. And now she's losing that. So I just very much worry for her mental state. Oh, I absolutely worry for her. I think it's later in the episode that she mentions it when she talks about, like, I can't keep track of who's even talking to me this week. Mm-hmm. Well, and she's not sure perhaps where she stands because anytime there's a breakup in a friend group, that already causes a ripple effect. But then if another person from that same friend group dates that person, it just throws off the dynamic a bit. And it sounds like nobody's really even acknowledged Kelly and Dylan as a relationship yet. At least we haven't seen it. I was going to say, I have noticed that's like a really – I don't know. Maybe it's because so many people have so many things going on right now, but it does feel like it's just Kelly and Dylan off on their own thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're not double dating with anybody. They're not like hanging out at the peach pit really like, I don't know. It it feels like such a different relationship from mm-hmm. Dilda. Yeah. Agreed. But then at the same Taylor residence for now, um, David gets all nervous because the recording company called him and he's going to lay down some tracks. And what was the name, Mary, of the record producer? Oh, Serge. um, Munchen. Menken. Menken. (laughs) Munchen? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So he calls him up and, you know, David's super nervous, but that's really all we see in that scene. Yeah, because I think, like, you know, the next thing we see, Steve is talking to Brandon about his sports gambling and, like, makes comments about, like, oh, if you wanted to gamble on stupid shit, I know somebody in Pacoima and also Pete Rose. (laughs) But then, like, David comes running up trying to talk to him about uh, Serge calling him. And Steve is just like, bruh, I don't care. Yeah, you fired me, and also, like, go away. Yeah, and he literally walks away. He's just like, no, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Bye. (laughs) I mean, duh. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like the last good thing Steve does before just, like, a giant nosedive. (laughs) Yeah. God, I'm so mad. We do hear in the – no, you're good. We do hear in the background that Donna's still doing the radio show. It's cool. And she's so good at it, just like we thought she would be. So I I almost wish we could hear more of it. I know. I called her DJ Donna, but I'm pretty sure she calls herself Donna Donna. <laughs> Which I hope that's true because I love it. Could she be any more perfect? I don't think so. I love, I love her so much. Like the rant that she goes on of just like, why are we so excited about Fridays? Some people don't have anything to do on Fridays. Not me, but other people. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, Brenda immediately comes in and is like, what are you doing this weekend? She's like, I'm busy. And Brenda's like, how about other plans? Yeah, no, you're not. Well, technically you will be, but just not doing what you're talking about doing. David needs to study anyway. Yeah, he's got shit to do. He has no time for any of this. And then Andrea shows up looking like a principal. (laughs) I wrote, Andrea looks like she could be Brenda's mom. (laughs) She looks so old she really does I think especially because she's standing next to Shannon and Shannon had like the bangs with like the little like 
face going on in the outfit. And then in comes Andrea with like a perm and a suit. Yeah, she's got like a pantsuit. <laughs> yeah. And God, but she has a date tonight. And we all know, I mean, before it happens, we know who it is. We we remember when he slid into her DMs, aka faxed her. <laughs> he faxed her. <laughs> oh my god. It he's smooth, so he's got game. He's got game. <laughs> he's Brandon but better. Yeah. Jordan Bonner. Oh, Jordan better than Brandon Bonner. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. But that's literally all we see of that because then we go to Jim's office. We have the establishing shot of Jim's office. Then we go into Jim's office where Dylan walks in and is like, I kept calling you. You didn't pick up. So here I am. And then Jim says he's up to his earlobes and alligators. I looked it up because I was like, I did too. (laughs) That has to be a saying. It has to. Um, I found a definition that says it's easy to be so overcome or preoccupied by various tangential worries, problems, or tasks that one loses sight of the ultimate goal or objective. That sounds like it should be in a series of unfortunate events. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can hear Lemony Snicket being like, it is possible for one to become so da 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 Oh, you know what? I actually think it was taken straight from the Dawson's Creek script because that's how those 16-year-olds <laughs> talked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. (laughs) That's why you fell asleep. (laughs) Maybe one day when we're done with this show and we're all 50, we'll have time to cover Dawson's Creek. Yeah. We're going to be so old by the time we finish watching (laughs) 90s television. We're just going to be like, I remember in my day. (laughs) (laughs) You podcast these days, you don't even know. Back in my day, we did retro podcasts. (laughs) We're going to be a hologram by the time we get to Dawson's Creek. Yeah. But yeah, so Jim's up to his earlobes and alligators. Yeah, and then he basically tells Dylan, just like, nah, dude, I'm not going to do what is legally required of me, and I don't want to dissolve your trust. And then they just start getting all angry at each other. And I was like, it's weird to say this, but this is the old Dylan and Jim that I've missed. Classic Jillin. <laughs> I'm so glad I hadn't taken a sip yet. <laughs> that wasn't planned. Yeah, no, this is the ship we should all be shipping. Is uh, Dylan and Jim. Jillin like a villain. Jillin like a felon. <laughs> oh. I'm going too far. <laughs> but I agree. A good Jillin fight. Yeah, classic. Love to see. A classic Jim and Dylan mess around. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, he can't yell at Brandon at home, so he has to come to the office where he can yell at Dylan. Yeah, true, true, true. And I really didn't write a note about it, so I have nothing to contribute to this. No, that's it, because then we have to jump all the way back to Jackie, where she's vacuuming, and apparently the house is already ready to sell, because they're having people come over, and I just don't believe that, because Mm -hmm. if they've been living there for so long, and they have as much money as they do, I guarantee there is just crap in that house. True. Also, if it was a five-bedroom house, and, like, most of the time it was just Kelly and Jackie, like, three of those bedrooms weren't being used. Yeah, so I imagine, like, David moved in, and they put a bunch of his shit in a spare bedroom. And then 
baby came along. <laughs> like trying to hide the fact that I don't remember her name. <laughs> what are you talking about? I totally know her name. I'm just calling her baby. Erin? Nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> oh my God. Did you see that she's coming out with a new dance movie and no one will confirm whether or not it's a dirty dancing sequel? And I'm very upset. Hmm. Did not see that. Yeah. Wait, baby Erin I- is coming out with a dirty dance movie. <laughs> I did not see that. (laughs) No, Jennifer, someone, so, okay, I feel like I have to back up a little bit. Both of you know this story, but this is to catch the podcast audience up. On Wednesdays at work, we ask a wacky Wednesday question, and this week's question was, if you could replace anyone in a movie with Patrick Swayze, who would it be? So everyone was forced to talk about what movies they wish Patrick Swayze was in. And by the way, my controller said Star Wars. And I was like, just imagine you spend this whole time hearing James Earl Jones's voice coming out of Darth Vader. And then in, <laughs> in Return of the Jedi, the Death Star is blowing up and they're trying to drag Darth Vader out. And he's like, take my mask off. And then he takes it off and it's Patrick Swayze. <laughs> That's awesome. I would have loved that. Right? And then on Fridays, we have like a quick stand up of like, here's what went well in my week. Here's what I'm working on. You know, any interesting things that happened to us. And we get to the last person and he's like, how has nobody mentioned that Jennifer Grey is going to star in a Dirty Dancing sequel? That's awesome. <laughs> just like, oh my God. Yeah. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> That's amazing. But also fun fact listeners. Well, first of all, let us know what you think because- Ariel and I apparently both agree that it should have been Danny Zuko in Greece, Which nobody said. There were two people on that call that said, I don't have an answer. And they were given like 14 hours to come up with something. Gotta come up. Even if it's dumb. Like, even if it's like the main, um, uh, what's his face? Gizmo in Gremlins. Like, just come <laughs> up with something. <laughs> Literally anything works. And then like, on so that was Wednesday. And then on Thursday, my coworker that like he and I came up with this question together he sent me a message on slack and was like I think we went too far down the rabbit hole I cannot watch a movie without putting Patrick Swayze in every single role I was like as you should that just reminds me of like I guess this was last year sometime (laughs) when when Nick Offerman (laughs) I thought you were talking about put his face over everyone's face in the full house opening credit. <laughs> I can't even talk about it. <laughs> I remember exactly what you're talking about. And somehow he does the face perfect- <laughs> perfectly for every character. But that's what I mean. Like, I came up with so many options for Patrick Swayze. I want to hear what everyone thinks. My official answer was that he should be Mr. Nobody in the Fast and the Furious franchise. I don't, you know, I don't know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) Someone will. Well, so I mostly said it because in my perfect world, everyone would still be alive. And Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, The Rock, and Patrick Swayze would all be in a movie together. That's a pretty killer cast right there. I would watch that movie. I know. I said Gilderoy Lockhart from Harry Potter. Oh, that's such a good answer. (laughs) Isn't it? I was so happy. That's brilliant. 
that's wizard's chess. <laughs> it's not brilliant. It's totally barbaric. I'm sorry. I know I messed it up. I just, the way I said it made me think of it. That just, yeah. Oh my god, that quote. I wasn't ready. My heart is warm. Oh god, speaking of warm, this room is like a freaking sauna. I'm gonna explode. Aww. I'm like dying in here. We are like 15 minutes into the episode. Oh my god. <laughs> so we didn't even finish talking about Kelly and Jackie getting this house ready to sell. Was there more to say? <laughs> I mean, I was mostly just going to complain about the bedrooms. Oh, oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> but like, I am convinced this house is not ready to sell. And then later when all these people show up and they're just like, why are all the walls aquariums? Oh, yeah. They were like, how, what? Like literally or? Oh, I think literally. I mean, my, my aunt and uncle had a built-in aquarium in their house in Chicago that they just sold. But like, so I can like picture a built-in aquarium and I'm literally picturing walls of built-in aquariums. Like, I'm but just, why? I'm, <laughs> like, why would be, why would there be walls of them? And where do you get the fish and how do you keep them alive? And how do you feed them if they're walls? So in my, in my aunt and uncle's <laughs> one built-in aquarium that had like, four goldfish in it there was a door and you could go into the storage area and the storage area is where you'd like lift the top to feed them and like change the filter and everything but I I have to assume that like every you know day or two I don't know how often you have to feed fish Jackie <laughs> is like getting on a ladder and just like dumping some flakes in maybe that's what the fifth bedroom is is just walls <laughs> of the aquarium it's just feeding shoots that lead to all of the aquariums. Yeah, the fifth bedroom is actually like the bonus room. And like the floor is also the aquarium. And so there's a hatch where it's just like literally like a hatch and you just dump the fish food. The filter, I don't know where that is. I don't know how that works, but you know. I, I'm literally picturing the fifth bedroom is like <laughs> the control center for the house. Yeah, it's like a server room. But <laughs> but it could be converted into a bedroom. Yeah. This sounds, like, <laughs> this sounds like a house the one built in The Sims. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> this is how they got the idea for The Sims. <laughs> yeah. Totally. By like Beverly Hills mansions. They got they got the aquarium house. They, got, they have Jim and Cindy's house that's backwards and doesn't make any sense. Yeah, where you can have the water from a rainstorm leak to the first floor without even touching your second floor. But when you go to repair the roof, you're on the second floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> now I understand why they cost so much. <laughs> but it's a buyer's market. Oh, you're right. They're going to lowball us. <laughs> Uh, poor Jackie. <laughs> Which like, husband came up with this house? Let's be real. Because it wasn't Jackie. No, this was Coke Jackie. Oh, fair. Yeah, that husband. She was Coke. just like, she was like, you know what I need? Fish. <laughs> in the walls, in the ceiling, in the floor. Can you put fish in the floor? Should I walk around in fish shoes? That's how I'm going to put fish in the floor. Have you seen these shell earrings? Because my mind is going. 
I've got ideas. <laughs> we can do a whole themed house. I'm going to get water beds. Five <laughs> water beds. Oh, my God. Those were popular then, so it makes sense. It would totally work. I'm surprised, like, Dylan doesn't have a water bed. Let's be real. Out of all, well, no, Steve. Oh, Steve, Steve would have a water bed. Well, because Steve's house looks just like Jackie's house. I bet he has a room full of aquariums, too. <laughs> we just can't see them. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, like, yeah, again, later when they're doing the open house, David walks up and is like, people want to know about the glass tile. Did you put that in or was it here when you got there? Were you trying to make a statement? Steve's room has glass tile in it. Oh. I didn't make the, t- the mm. connection. Also, the glass tile, that's how you see the fish from the floor. <laughs> so there technically are fish in the floor. Yeah. And yes, she was trying to make a statement. I love fish. <laughs> I do coke. <laughs> this is a coke, like, tolerant place. <laughs> this is the thing. She just needs to find a drug addict to sell the house to. Or like a former drug addict who will be like in recovery, but be like, I totally get what you're going for here. Who is her friend at the spa? She needs her to move in. What was her name? I don't, I don't I was know. About to be Tammy? Like, Janine? Oh, Janine sounds more correct. Diane? No. <laughs> I'm just naming Ron Swanson's wife. Why did I not find this? Uh, I swear, like, no, because that's Dottie's the secretary. <laughs> Babette. 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 <laughs> Never would have got there. No. Oh. Yeah. Just sell the house to Babette. Yep. Jackie would probably just be getting her own money back. Seriously. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I don't know what was happening next, because my next note is the music choices in this episode are wild. Was it when um, Dylan and Kelly were making out to smooth jazz? God, probably. No, because I think at that point... I don't know. There was a point in this episode where Dylan would say things, and I would just be like, can we do a worse line of the week? Oh, yeah, for sure. There was a really bad line later. I think that was my quote of the week because of how bad it was. I wrote three straightforward, and then I just yelled at Steve. <laughs> I, I couldn't even write it down. But, yeah, like, something happened. They might have been at school or something, but, yeah, it was more smooth jazz, and I just wanted to be like, I really wish I knew what was supposed to be happening right now. Yeah, I mean, the next notes that I had after that was, like, Jack is all squirrely because he talked to Jim and he doesn't want to give him the money. And then Brandon lost 200 bucks. That's what I have next. Yeah, because that's the next thing I have is Brandon lost a bet, but you think he's going to make his money back because he has three more games this weekend that he has bet on. And then I have Jordan Bonner heart eyes. Yeah, I wrote Jordan. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because my next note after that is, Steve, you can't keep talking about jungle fever. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't. Like, I get him not understanding Brandon being like, I just don't see them together because, like, he doesn't totally get Brandon's obsession with Andrea, but, like, possessiveness of Andrea. Mm-hmm. But don't jump to because he's black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's not even what Brandon was talking about. And I feel like Brandon would have almost been more likely to say something like that. You know what I mean? Well, and, like, I just, 
I don't even get where they're coming from because Jordan is also going to Yale. He's very attractive. Why wouldn't Andrea be interested in him? Right, exactly. Like, like in fact, Jordan might be perfect for Andrea. But yeah, jealousy is not a good look on Brandon. But happy that Steve was like calling him out on being possessive because he even said like, well, yeah, you don't like it when she dates someone. You literally did this when Jay was around. And then Brandon admits it. And then Our old boys becoming self-aware. I know. You said it perfectly, Mary. But yeah, that was I was glad that happened because we haven't heard Brandon be really all that self-aware all that often. Um, and usually it does take somebody to call him out on it, but at least he was like, Yeah, 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 you're right, instead of getting defensive. I think I would have really loved him being like, I mean, all we did was kiss, and then Steve being like, Wait, you kissed? Because we kissed. <laughs> and then just like, wait, what? Does that mean we no <laughs> <laughs> who kissed who first oh yeah my God. if brandon found out that steve kissed andrea first he would have been so mad he would have oh, lost yeah. it oh he it would have been the perfect mm-hmm. time too because he just became self-aware of how possessive he is over her and then steve be like you know i kissed her first brandon would just been like you, you? <laughs> <laughs> poked him in the chest listen here buddy yeah, and then Steve would be like, I'm sorry, what? And just look, <laughs> stare down at him because he's short. That was a short joke for all you <laughs> listeners and not viewers. <laughs> um, And then, okay, so then we jump back to the Walsh household, I think. Or is this when they go, is this when they're at the self-defense class and they have the, like, serious conversations where, like, yeah, Cindy is, like, I want to feel safe when I'm walking around. And Brenda is, I've already been attacked and I don't want to feel that helpless again. But then they come home and Cindy's real sore. So Jim massages her while they read his pro con list about whether or not he should let Dylan have $10 million, which is like weirdest conversation. Yeah. I mean, it was weird, obviously, because of the dynamics, right? Because they were so entrenched in, you know, with Brenda and, and all that stuff. But it's also like Jim doesn't really have a choice here. Like that he's was the, the trustee. Like he legally has no foot to stand on. If everything's been signed off and Dylan is 18 and wants his money, Jim has to give it to him or at least has to like sign over conservatorship or whatever it's called. Um, I will say I did like how they were having this whole conversation being like Dylan deserves a father and like, we can't keep being that for him because you know, he's not even dating Brenda anymore. He's not even completely in our lives at this point. We need to let him go do his thing. Even if they know he's getting taken for $10 million. Right. Which I mean, I guess that's fine. But on the one hand, I'm like, you could still just be a decent person. Like that, even if you don't have a connection to him, that's kind of like, you know, you see something bad and say nothing, then you're just as bad as, you know, whoever did the bad mm-hmm. thing. And it's like, I think it would almost be worse if they did nothing because he was so ingrained in their lives for so long to now just be like, mm, we're, we got to be done with him completely. We can't ever think about him again. I just feel like that's a little 
insensitive maybe i mean i'm not saying that they should be like super super involved to the same level but you can at least care about a person i mean you've Mm -hmm. known him for now like going on like two and a half years i mean yeah no i completely agree because that's where this was weird for me is like i appreciate them being like we can't be his parents if his parents are actually here like they deserve the chance to be his parents but yeah it does really feel like Part of the reason that Jim is holding on to this money, other than the fact that he doesn't trust Jack, is that they don't want to let go of this lifeline to Dylan because as soon as they do, like, they're literally going to cut him out of his their lives. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, the show goes on for forever and I know, like, some people leave and some people co- come back and, like, some people are there forever, whatever. But I don't envision Dylan and Brandon staying really close friends. I feel like we don't even see them together as much. Yeah, it's pretty much like Brandon and Steve. And then Dylan's best friend is like whoever he dates. Yeah. And so it just worked out that when his best friend was Brenda, he saw Brandon more. Yeah, I guess. Um, But yeah, I mean, they have that whole conversation. And then the next morning, like Jim takes it to heart and has jack and dylan into his office and is just like i'm sorry for you know assuming that you're still a criminal i'm signing over everything for you Mm-hmm. which then jack was like we should go out to dinner my treat and i just want to be like dylan's treat yeah right like yours by proxy like mm. not yours and so like credit to jim for being like mm, no yeah i'm good sorry not interested but then they do have dinner on the boat. Well, most people have dinner on the boat. Right. Because we. this is where we get the quote of the week. And I just want to, again, emphasize the fact that the reason this is the quote of the week is because it's horrible. <laughs> um, I forget who says it, but somebody says, Kelly, you hardly touch your food. Christine does. Christine does. Yeah. And talking about how, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And then freaking jack man he says in his stupid cowboy accent yeah kelly we like our women to look like women not like little boys boy (laughs) oh boy (laughs) it made me so mad like this is why she has body image issues people sitting here and just talking about it at her i like i hate when people do this Yes, like, one of my biggest pet peeves, and something my husband still to this day, we've been together almost nine years, and he still doesn't understand that I don't like it when people comment on how much I've eaten, how little I've eaten, what I've eaten, anything about my eating habits, especially at the dinner table or at a table, at wherever you're eating, with people around, so that people can hear, and you're like, waiting for my response. I'm like, why don't you pay attention to your own food? Like, don't comment on my stuff. This is me. Sorry, this is a huge puppy of mine. No, but it's totally valid because it's like, if you are, you know, I'm going to use the word skinny. I don't know if it's the exact word I want to use, but if you're skinny, like there is a point that people just focus on what you're eating and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like it would drive me bananas 
when I worked at a place that had a cafeteria in the building and I would like go get my lunch and maybe like, you know, once every couple of weeks I would go and just be like, I want French fries for lunch. And so I would go get my lunch and people would be like, how can you eat that and stay so skinny? I'm just like, because I exercise, why are you looking at my food? And then they'd be like, I wish I could do that. I was like, go downstairs. There's also a gym here. Yeah. I just, it's none of your business. Exactly. I think that's Mm -hmm. the point is like, and it goes both ways too. Like when I worked at Starbucks, I used to bring like a chopped up cucumber to eat for a snack. And one of my coworkers one time was just like, oh my God, you think you're better than all of us with your healthy food. And I'm like, excuse me. But then like on the other hand, like I had two pieces of pizza at a party one time and someone was like, oh my God, you're having two. Right. Like, it's like you either eat too healthy or like a small amount of food and people say shit about that or you eat more than you're supposed to or what they think you should and that's also a big deal yeah no it drives me bananas like you are seeing one snapshot moment of my life Mm -hmm. not all of it exactly like you don't know what's going on in my life I could be sick I could be not feeling well I could have eaten like a huge meal for lunch and just not be hungry I I could not like the food that's put in front of me exactly reasons and just because I'm not satisfying whatever you think I should be doing or shouldn't be doing doesn't mean you have to make me talk about it because I don't want to talk about it I don't ask you why you ate your food a certain way or didn't eat your food a certain way or what you ate or why or how like and I (laughs) I guarantee that most of the people that ask those questions if you turned it around on them they'd be like how dare you yeah Mm -hmm. But, like, it's okay because you're skinny. Right. Well, and for – in my husband's case, I know his is completely, like, innocent and he just wants to make sure I'm okay. But I have to tell him, like, just don't say it out loud. Like, whisper it to me. Like, text it to me. Like, just don't make me respond in front of people. I don't like when people call attention to my eating habits. So Mm -hmm. just don't. Yeah. (laughs) Ridiculous. And, like, I know – that the writers are using this to have like, oh, people are noticing she's not eating. We want to point oh, out yeah. that she's not eating for this plot line. And like, here's the excuse that Kelly gave, which she does say, I ate a big lunch. So I'm not hungry. But like, oh, it just made me so mad because I was like, oh, I know. It's, yeah, I like, I can't be mad at the writers because like, I know what they're purposeful. doing and I know yeah. why they're doing. But like, I think it's because it's your pet peeve. <laughs> yeah. It's like. How dare you? I mean, it's a horrible – it made me mad too because I also hate the idea that, like, real women have curves. If you don't have, like, the 36, 24, 36 and you're just, like, I don't know, 24, 24, 24, like, you're – you look like a little boy. Why would anyone want you? So rude and creepy and none of their fucking business. I also (laughs) – like, I don't know if I totally wrote it down, but it weirded me out how open Jack and Dylan seem to be at, like, truly hinting about the fact that Dylan is sleeping with Kelly. They yeah, mentioned he, it multiple times. Yeah. yeah, at one point, Dylan is like, yeah, we were a little tired or something. Like, yeah, I think he does it at this dinner. He makes a comment, and then Kelly's just like, excuse me. Oh, and yeah. Then, and then, yeah, because Jack's like, He's not going to want to fuck you if you don't eat that salad. 
it's so I, harsh because it's true. Like, oh, yeah. And Ugh. then, and then they completely like 180 pivot because Jack proposes to Christine for a second. Like, when he was proposing, I was like, I had a brief thought. I was like, does Jack even know her last name? <laughs> Because I was like, he was like, Christine Smith, or whatever it was. <laughs> Christine, you, yeah. I love you. Yeah. You want to marry me, boy? <laughs> I love you, boy. <laughs> also, did y'all hear, so he's making the comment about her putting spoons on her nose. So she puts the spoon on her nose, and then when it popped off, did you hear the popping sound? Yes! Why did <laughs> they add that? Okay, I was watching it on CBS. Is this CBS? Or is this real? <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I did it, not hear that. It blew my mind. It was just like a little... <laughs> well, I don't remember if it was in this exact moment, but after the suction, and Christine says yes, that jazz sax, man, it's everywhere. It's, it's all over the everywhere. place. It's <laughs> everywhere. out of control. Ugh. Because, yeah, next is, like, everyone's hating on Jackie's house. And, like, this is where I started just losing everything. Because the next thing I wrote was Dylan being like, you can be my sex slave. Oh, yeah. Why? I was so grossed out. Like, this this relationship is so much different than Dilda. Because anytime he and Kelly are, like, making out or, like, talking all cute to each other, I'm like, this isn't cute. This is fucking weird. It's clearly about physical attraction with them whereas with dilda it was like much deeper which i mean like there was physical attraction with dilda too but i do get the feeling that like because kelly and dylan are like they're written to be so sexually attracted to each other and you know they're both they have sex without like you know feeling bad about it and i don't know if that's because at this point the affiliates got okay with the idea of a woman having sex without feeling bad about it or if they're okay with kelly having sex without feeling bad about it because she's supposed to be a hussy yeah it's I, like once they've already crossed the threshold of having sex for the first time they're like okay cool you're done except in brenda's case she's the only one no kelly's on the pill so she's dirty like i I don't think that. I yeah. want to be very clear with that. But, like, that is honestly what I'm feeling here is they've made, you know, multiple things. Kelly shows up, you know, dressed all sexy to a party, and some guy takes that as an invitation to attempt to rape her. And, like, mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that happens to Kelly that is not the kind of thing that happens to Brenda. There's right. a very clear divide between how the two characters are written. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also feel like any sexual activity that's occurred between Dylan and Kelly is more implied, whereas they came out and explicitly said that Brenda lost her virginity to Dylan mm -hmm. and was happy about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah. like, we see them making out and then it pans away and then the way they're talking to each other, we just assume that they're banging. Yeah, it's True. the way that they talk to each other. It's like... Uh, the episode that Iris was in where they're making out on the couch and then Kelly has to go run to a different room to go find her shirt. Like, it's little stuff like that. It's true. So, I just, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like Dylan saying, we'll get lost on an island and you can be my sex slave. That's yeah, as gross. if that's all she brings to the, the island or whatever. 
Yeah. So it's just really icky, and it doesn't seem like it's Dylan. Like, yeah, no, this is the guy who read Lord Byron in episode two. In episode 71, I think we're on. He's just like, nah, I know what I want. I mean, this is clearly Jack's influence. Like, he didn't do any of this crap before Jack got out of prison. I mean, that's like, I would be, I think it would be interesting to see him have relationships with other women, which I'm sure we'll see at some point because... I know Kelly dates other people and I know this like the back and forth between Dylan and Kelly and Brenda and like all this kind of stuff is a thing, but it'd be really interesting to see Dylan date other women and like continue to compare the relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, that is not today, but what is today is uh, Brandon losing $500 now. Oh my gosh. And this is when like Steve just reaches into his wallet to give him money, right? Yeah, he's like, I got two hundo right here. You want it? Yeah, and he says like he'll go to the ATM and get the rest later. And Brandon's like, I don't want your money. And Steve is just like ready to help his friend, which is like he's coming back up. Like he he had a real bad moment earlier. <laughs> yeah. He's slowly on a redemption arc. Well, and then in the other room. Brenda and Cindy are practicing their self-defense and yelling, no, <laughs> no, no. It. I wish they, I mean, not wish, because I'm sure like no is fine. But like it made me think of Miss Congeniality when she's like, solar plexus, incept, nose, <laughs> grind. <laughs> it made me think of, uh, mine's not as good as yours. It made me think of Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Swiper, no swiping. Swiper, no swiping. <laughs> I thought of um, when Bobby Hill takes the self-defense class in King of the Hill and just says, that's my purse. I don't know you. Wow. We went several different places. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's very good. I'm so happy about all of those. But yeah, they're just like yelling no and practicing all of their like little fighting moves and that's when Jim comes in and is like are you ready to wax my car and Brenda's like what <laughs> no, and then he... even even Cindy gets embarrassed <laughs> no he has to spend so much time making the connection and truly he did when he said that I was like I don't know what's supposed to be happening here is he sexist and then yeah he kept being like wax on wax off and I was like Stop. Yeah, Cindy's like, stop. Jim. <laughs> I had like tangential embarrassment. Ooh, tangential. I can't hard. even say that word. Hard to watch. It was bad. It was real bad. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, that ends very quickly. Because then I guess Jim and Cindy are talking about dissolving Dylan's trust, which is how Brenda hears about it. And then she goes to talk to Brandon and is like, what would you do if you had $10 million? And Brandon's first thing was, like, pay off some debts. And I was like, don't be hitting at these things, Brandon. <laughs> and he says he would buy the Lakers for $10 million. And I just laughed. Yeah, because, like, that would be enough. <laughs> you could buy, like, a rookie. I was going to say, yeah, like, rookie contracts make up, like, 10 mil. Yeah. But it was just like, our boys got jokes. Mm-hmm. Also, when did he get all this chest hair? 
because it was peeking out again. It was did like, they just stop shaving him? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Or did our boy hit puberty? I mean, Aww. either he lost a button on his peak pit, <laughs> and he's just like, him hey, guys. Him and Nat. Him and Nat, man. Like, what is with the deep Vs all of a sudden? And what if- have they always been like this and i just haven't noticed i don't know if we haven't noticed but i really like the theory that jason Priestley like walks in to wardrobe and just like pops a button off and sticks it in his pocket and is like i don't know where it went i guess i'm just gonna go deep v today <laughs> like they're just like where have all of our buttons gone he wore a necklace this week too yes i noticed that too i was like okay he's got chest hair and a necklace is he trying to be like a baseball player right now like he ah so maybe the chest hair has been there and yeah we just haven't noticed and he's getting tired of us not noticing <laughs> so he's like wearing things to draw the eye line down this is like he like jason Priestley, bad boy trying to slip into the brandon persona so he's like look guys if you're not going to give me a storyline where i can ride a motorcycle and be bad gotta be chest hair that's my that's what i'm demanding (laughs) i'm drawing the line at chest hair you cannot keep it in you gotta let me be free yeah (laughs) can't tame it i can't i won't um finally here's okay yeah this is one of the parts where i stopped writing things down because then i wrote dylan and kelly have sex brenda cindy donna take a self-defense class dylan and jack have serious talk and whoever's listening interrupts it Yes. So my thoughts on that, because I think I had three sentences similar. Pretty sure Dylan kisses with only tongue. Yep, that was one of them. Because <laughs> he only does. Tongue. Just, uh... He keeps his mouth open the whole time. So uh, he must breathe out of his nose or something. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, in the self-defense class, I wrote down that I don't love that one of the A's of like the self-defense thing was avoidance Avoidance? yeah yeah because it was like just avoid places that look sketchy like no i shouldn't have to avoid place i should be able to go do whatever i want yeah like i'm not being shitty exactly like that's anyway that was my comment there and then yeah my third was jack telling dylan about some of his nefarious activities but the captain interrupts yeah because my next thing was like why does captain whatever always have to be on board so the captain well, so this is where I figured it out. I even wrote, oh, my God, I figured it out. I think that Jack flipped. And that's how he got out early. So he gets out early. He makes the comment that he went away for other people that did worse stuff. And now he got a yacht from some people. And a ton of people are listening. And they're that captain is clearly somebody. So I think that captain is his handler. I think he is wired. And I think that the FBI is in the van. And that's why he can't tell Dylan because that risks their operation of him getting Dylan's money and trying to bring down the bad people. So where does the car mustache bomber man come in? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Jack McKay <laughs> faked his death. That's quite a theory. I think, yeah, the FBI's fucking in on it because we have the same theory. Like, it's good guys in the van. That's why they're like, you can't tell Dylan anything because you're going to fucking ruin what's going to happen. 
So, and Jack knows it's going to happen, and that's why he tries to do that father-son bonding moment with the cringy baseball song. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so... Yeah, he knew he knew it was happening. I don't think he ever actually got into the car because Dylan didn't see it because he was on the phone with Kelly, and the camera didn't show it to us. So there's gotta Jack be a McKay's body. alive. The FBI is in the van. Um, the guy who or the captain he was like, "You're gonna end up dead because of the bad guys. Like if you fuck this up, you're gonna end up dead because the bad guys are gonna kill you." That's that's yeah. No, I love it. I'm writing it down. Listeners, can you tell we all watch way too much television? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's no body. I mean, that no is body, a fair no crime. No body, no crime, and, no and like, no body, no death. Yeah, presumably. It's literally, it's literally habeas corpus. You have to have a body. It's Stephen Bonnet. Because there was no body when he was in that prison, and he was still alive, and I knew it. They do yeah. that all the time. They do. They I always love neither. Like, I will neither confirm nor deny if that's what happens here, but I will say I definitely remembered the car bomb. Yeah, because I, I had like a recovered memory at some point watching this episode. I saw them coming up to the boat, and I swear to God, it could easily be from another show. But I was like, "There's an explosion." <laughs> I see a yacht, and my brain is like, "Explosion." Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like what it really came from was probably Marissa dying in the OC or something like that fire. Oh, it was almost definitely Veronica Mars. Mm, there you go. But, I, but yeah, I was this. just like, yeah, explosion. Someone's going to die. And then, yeah, because that's basically the episode. Like Duke shows up to the peach pit and threatens Brandon and is like, I give you one. And after that, I take your fingers. Yeah. It's not what basically. he actually said, but. Yeah, basically. And then there's, like, this whole tension. You get one. After that, each chest hair. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to pick them out for every dollar you owe me. He's like, I don't have 200 chest hair. No, my chest hair. I just got that. <laughs> but, yeah, because then we see somebody place the car bomb. And then it's just, like, a very slow lead-up where Dylan finds out they have to move the car. He goes to get the keys. He goes to get the car. Somehow, Jack is like, no, move over there so you can take this phone from me. Which, like, I feel like, I don't know, maybe Dylan would be like, it's going to take me five seconds to move this car and then I'll come get the phone. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's why I can, like, see where you grabbed onto a theory because it's like – it, he literally just had to like get in a yeah like mm -hmm. what for a phone he <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> yeah and it was just like it was very breezy so I'm a little like conflicted about it like I feel like if you're actually a father watching your son be about to get into a bombed car that you knew is bombed because you're about to fake your own death you would put a little more effort and like no you have to come get this phone instead of just being like Dylan gesture yeah. But he says, Dylan, and gestures. And then Dylan's talking to Kelly. And then when Kelly puts him on hold, I really thought that's when the explosion was going to happen. And he was just going to be sitting on hold with his girlfriend when the bomb went off. He's like, that's going to suck. Yeah, that would have been traumatic for both Dylan and Kelly. I mean, it's already traumatic because Kelly's now going to know that, like, the second she hung up with him, his dad blew up. 
And then, yeah, he does a very dramatic, like, no! Sinks to his knees. Even does the whole, like, I'm going to run out. Oh, wait, another explosion. It's too hot. Yeah. Yeah. In his knees, in the rain, in front of the explosion, screaming. Christine Mm -hmm. is inside having a tea. She has no idea. Christine, yeah, what's her face? (laughs) (laughs) You. I love you. Uh, and that's yeah, that's it. it. That is it. Now, what did you grade it? Because I have no idea. Yeah, I didn't grade it, but um, B for bomb. I mean, that's a little too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> B for Bonner. I I feel like a B because I do just like I really appreciate the continuity. Oh, sorry, we forgot one thing because Jackie ends up turning down that uh offer on the house and then david's just like well we'll help you pay for it and she's just like thanks guys <laughs> they don't have jobs i know maybe david yeah because then kelly's like david you just need to get rich really quick and then help us <laughs> but yeah just they don't have jo- oh my god is dylan gonna buy the house <gasps> is he i don't know dylan's gonna oh my god burn through that 10 million dollars really fast Assuming he gets to keep it. I don't even know. I'm not going to. I'm I'm done with predictions. I made a really big one. <laughs> I'm done. We only make new predictions once every like <laughs> two seasons. Episodes. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm going to be really lame and stick with B for bomb. It's the yeah. Bomb. I mean, I'd give it a, your butt is the bomb. Um, I like your I'd butt. Gi- <laughs> I mean, your bike. Yeah. I mean, I'll give it a B. Yeah. Like, even though it was a little choppy, like jump, jumpy across multiple storylines. I mean, my only like um, knock on it was just that it felt like a really long episode. Like, I think we all kind of mentioned. And the weird. Okay. Okay. B minus for the take me out to the baseball game. Oh, wait. Okay. No, I'm I'm dropping it to C for car bomb because all of that. Plus the jungle fever, hmm. plus the we like our women like to look like women, not like little boys, not like little boys. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> God, Mary, please for our next RPG game. Well, that's <laughs> redundant, but please do that accent. Oh my God! For Can we play cowboys? Is there a cowboy RPG? There has to be. There definitely is, but we're about to uh, do Apocalypse Ladies. Yeah. Just be Apocalypse Lady playing Apocalypse Cowboy. (laughs) We all do it. We should all do it. (laughs) Oh, my God. John John would hate us. The (laughs) Wild West of the Apocalypse. John would love it. And he, the second any of us started talking, he would just look at me and be like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) My car is a horse. (laughs) Let's do it and let's make it a surprise so John doesn't see it coming. God, I really hope he has his headphones in. He's like seven feet away from me right now. You don't hear anything. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. He he told me that he was going to spend tonight while we were in here uh, playing Carcassonne and yelling at the computer in like a French accent. From the Dubois? He was just like, why would you put a, a street there? I need to put my farm there. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know why. 
if you like this content, you should follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast. Or let us know your own predictions, what accents you like, and if we should do a totally accented podcast episode. <laughs> you can email these suggestions to backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. But seriously, if someone dares me to do it, <laughs> I can't say no. And I don't mean Marianne Ariel. I Damn mean it. a listener. Yeah, I'll do it. I just got to practice. But I'll do it. Also, please leave <laughs> us reviews on um, the podcast places like iTunes and stuff like that. Five stars. It will make us really happy. It will help other people see us. And if you leave us a review, we'll read it on the podcast. Yeah. So share, subscribe, love us, tell us you love us. Do it, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and... Next week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 22, which is called... The Child is the Father is the Man. No, sorry. I messed it up. (laughs) (laughs) It's close. The Child is Father to the Man. So, riddle me that one, folks. I can't. But we'll find out next week. At Back to Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all... Kaylin's sober. Yeah. Can you believe it? (laughs) I think. No, I am. I don't. I think, like, the heat in this room. It's so hot. (laughs) We've been podcasting for an hour and a half. We've all lost it. Whoops. It happens. All right. I've officially had one beer. I've officially had zero and, like, almost all of my water. I've had almost all of one cider. You know what that means. <laughs> so from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Ariel. I'm Caitlin. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya, boy. <laughs>